What is good, my peoples? This is your boy Ken from the Green Beach Podcast, and this is the first time that we have done a live recording of our show. Now, of course, this is something, as I said, is brand new for us. And my boy AJ, he is going to be with us very shortly. And this is going to be an exciting show for Of course, we always like to go through what happened in the week just gone by. And that is something that we are definitely going to do this week as well. AJ, my brother, how's it going? What's happening? I'm good, boy. Trying to deal with this weather. Weather? Well, you got to tell me what the weather is like over there. I wish I could tell you because it's something different every day. That's how it is. One day I'm dressing for for fall going into winter. Another day is still summer vibes. So. Understood, sir. Understood. No well, I, just vibes. Well, that is what you wanted to sign up for. Remember, you had lots of talk. <laughs> You're for right, me right. over here in Denver You're and right. telling me, you know, that my bipolar weather, you know, <laughs> we got to deal with it over here, but apparently you have to deal with it over there as well. It is what it is, though. It is what it is. Understood. Well, I just recognized I didn't have my headset on. I, didn't, I have it connected, but I didn't have it on. So, again, welcome to everyone who is joining us. This is your boy, Ken, and that is AJ from the Green Beige Podcast. And we are going somewhere we've never gone before, and that is live doing our show. And we are so glad that you could join us as you are here with us. And as you come in, of course, you know, just drop a comment. Let us know where you are, where you're watching from. And we are very, very happy to have you. So, AJ, this this past week in the NFL, I guess you could say it was a week unlike most others. Um, first off, we had a lot of onside kicks. We had onside kicks that actually worked for once. This season, the onside kick has been usually an exercise in futility because we've had four onside kicks before this week that were recovered. But this week, we had four of them just this week alone. So that was something that was incredible to notice. But, of course, we would be remiss if we do not start with the sad news that broke on Thursday with the death of Demarius Thomas, who was a former wide receiver of the Denver Broncos and a member of the Super Bowl winning team led here by Peyton Manning. Now, I don't know how it was for you, AJ, but Demarius Thomas's death hit me differently to a lot of other celebrity deaths and sports people's deaths especially because Thomas is 33. He would have been 34 on Christmas. But Thomas is a year younger than me. He was born in 1987. And when somebody who is your contemporary passes away, then it hits home a little different. Especially at our age, you're not supposed to be getting seizures and, and, and dying. But that is what was reported to have happened with Thomas, that he had a seizure in the shower. Um, no, he was known to be a ray of sunshine for his teammates and his community doing great work, especially with children. The NFL made sure he was honored this week 
and his former teammates, they wore a number 88 decal on their helmet. The Broncos themselves, they had a pregame ceremony and a video tribute in honor of Thomas. And, well, when they started the game, they started the game with only 10 players on offense. And they took an opening play penalty, which was in tribute to Thomas. He would have been, I guess, the 11th person if he, you know, was alive and still on the team. And then a number 88 was also painted on the sidelines at Malahai. And his former teammate, Justin Simmons, he picked off um, Jared Goff with a diving interception, a fantastic play. And he ran over to the 88 and placed the ball on the 88 in tribute. And you know what was the best part of this entire experience? Mm. They won the game. They also won the game 38 to 10. Yes, 38 to 10. So from that, I mean... It is sad. It is really, really touching that, you know, what they did in honor of Demarius Thomas and, of course, to his family and his friends and all of the Broncos family, we do extend our heartfelt condolences to them as well. Okay, so now that we um, have given our condolences to the family, now we move on to what we usually do at the start of the show. Um, That would have been off the rip if we were doing it in our usual manner. But now we're heading into the Blitz. And for those of you who have not been with us before, the Blitz is where we take a look back at the games that have happened in the previous week. We look and we see who did what, and we look at it according to four categories. We first say who we believe was our biggest winner, then, of course, if you have a biggest winner, then it's the biggest loser. We look to see if there's anybody that we could ascribe a moral victory to. Now, we know that there are no such things called moral victories in the NFL, especially when we are now completing week 14 of 18. But at the beginning of the season, there were folks that we figured, even if they did take a loss, there was something in the loss that should make them feel a little bit more encouraged. So we continue to look and see who gets the moral victory for each week. And then we finish it up by seeing who had the least inspiring win. That is, whose win really doesn't do much for them or it doesn't do much for the standings going forward. So AJ, as always, you know, I like to let you go first. So Biggest winner. Who is the biggest winner for you this week? Um, I don't think I've spoke about spoken about this team for this season, to be very honest. My biggest winners for this week, I have to say, are the Niners. San Francisco 49ers. Um, going into the game, they were supposed to be short at the in the secondary, at the cornerback position, right? Due to injuries and whatnot. And they were on the road. They were heading to Cincinnati, who... Uh, we know that once they get things going, Cincinnati can be a high-powered offense. And on, on the day, the defense is very good as well. So they're a balanced team, just very inconsistent, right? But um, I, I, I didn't have faith in the Niners to win this game, honestly. Like in my head, I thought the Bengals would win at home. Even when the Niners jumped out to an early lead, I'm like, all right, Cincinnati hasn't settled in as yet. So when they started to mount the comeback, the Bengals, that is, I was like, all right, cool. Yeah, this seems legit. This is... And I expect them to, to go on and win the game. 
And then game went into overtime, and I figured, okay, so as a home team, they'll carry that momentum into overtime and win. And it didn't happen. It didn't happen, and I was genuine. I was genuinely shocked because I wasn't following this game much per se. I, I wasn't on red zone for the weekend, so uh, I wasn't necessarily following this game. But when I looked back and saw that the finals in the finals box score that the Niners had had pulled off the win, I was I was genuinely shocked. But to go further, it it. Is, and I, I, I guess this is something that I didn't even pay attention to. I, I mean, I knew that they were racking up some wins, but the Niners are actually five and two in the last seven games, which is really incredible considering that uh, the way they started the season, they were written off really early. And I admit that I'm one of the persons that did write them off. So, um, given their recent form, the, the that streak that they're on, um, and yeah, just the fact that they're no above 500 is seven and six and in a very good position in the wild card race. So uh, even being third in the division, which is arguably one of the best divisions in or toughest divisions in football. So I have to give it up to the Niners this week. Biggest winners. Okay. So it's interesting that you picked the Niners to be your biggest winner because the Niners were also my biggest winner this week. <laughs> so we, we actually agree on this one. Um, so I said in my notes, I had here that the, the Niners winning in overtime at the Bengals is a quality win. And I was watching that game. Um, so because, you know, the Sunday afternoon schedule, it was actually pretty packed with some very good games mm-hmm. or what looked on paper as good games. And then it kind of didn't really <laughs> work out that way. Yeah. yeah. But when they went into that game and they were down Elijah Mitchell, who is their workhorse running back. Yes, we know San Francisco has a habit in the past of being a team that likes to use a running back committee. But this season, they seem to have moved away from the committee approach a lot because many times you see now Elijah Mitchell is the guy who is doing the majority of the work. And yes, then they may have um, Jamaica Hasty, who was really the only healthy running back heading into this game. And um, I think his sermon, or can I can't remember his last name right now. Um, the, uh, Jeff Wilson. Right, sorry, Jeff Wilson. Jeff Wilson yeah. Right, he was the other running back who sometimes carries the load if um, Elijah Mitchell isn't there. But he didn't do a lot of the work this week either. Debo Samuel, who has been doing everything for them in that offense, he has not. Yeah, he was not healthy going into this game. He missed the game last week, but at least he was healthy enough to get into the game this week. Mm-hmm. But with all of that considered, George Kittle is the one who takes over for them. And Jimmy Garoppolo, who I have been extremely critical of in the past. To put it nicely. Yes, to put it nicely. He had a good game. He went 27 of 41 for 296 yards, two touchdowns, and no picks. He was solid. solid. Yeah, and then when you then father in what the defense was able to do against Joe Burrow and these Bengals, they had five sacks, two fumbles recovered. Now, what helps to elevate them for me is when I see what it does for the 49ers in the playoff standings. It now boosts them up to the sixth seed if the regular season was to end today. And it has completely knocked the Bengals 
out of the playoffs. If today was the end of the season, the Bengals would not be qualifying at all. Yeah. So that for me was was definitely something that is worthy of you know commendation. I I try to be fair. I I share my lashes when they when they are due, and I have to come back sometimes and give some some credit. And we did have a comment come in. Um, Blessed you said that the biggest winners for them were the Browns this week. That's a, that's a good call, kid, Because, I mean, the Browns needed it, and they barely escaped, but a win is a win nonetheless. It is true. I like the call. And I'm sure, I'm sure that we, we will um, have something more on the Browns at some point mm-hmm. in this week's episode. So... That was the biggest winner. And yeah, Marza agreed with Kidway as well on the Browns. So now we move over to the biggest loser. And who was your biggest loser this week, AJ? Ken, I, I don't know how much you I don't know how much you used to listen to conscious music and stuff, right? But <laughs> but I don't know if, if you do, you 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 probably remember um the seasons rhythm, right? It was one of the bigger like rhythms that had come out back in the day and it was a song by Natural Black called Far From Reality. That's where the Ravens are right now. That's where the Ravens are right now, and that is why they are my biggest losers. Um, and it's, it's not just a reaction to them losing the game, but it's because of the personnel that they are losing throughout this entire season. Like, we all know that the, the team's been decimated due to the injuries. They, men basically lost the entire running back room before the season started. Had to put together a makeshift. And to be fair, Devontae Freeman, who was one of my guys of, uh, uh, years back at, at, in Atlanta, he's been, he's been doing a decent enough job. Latavius, he's been um, decent when he's been on the field as well. Like, the fact that they've had to, they had to put that running back room together like, on short notice, they've, they've been coping, right? But adversity has just not been... Like, it, it's just been toying with them all season. And in the game, they lost Lamar early. And I know that because it really affected my fantasy. But you know what? I'll, oh, yeah. Boy, boy, look. <laughs> Anyhow, um, so they, they lost Lamar early. And, and no doubt that impacted their ability to go on and win this game. Because um, Huntley, is, he, he has been good when, he, when he's deputized at the Ravens. But let's be honest, he's not Lamar Jackson. Um, so, it, obviously, it, it, it did affect them. And remember a couple of weeks ago... <laughs> When, they, when the Ravens played the Steelers, and we had this discussion a few weeks back when Justin was on the show, and I said I didn't, I didn't agree. I think it was when Justin was there, yeah. But I said I didn't agree with the call to go for two. Was it Justin or... I'm sorry. I didn't agree with the call to go for two, go for the conversion when Justin Tucker is your kicker, and you could have leveled the game and gone into overtime, right? Now, apparently, it was, it was unbeknownst to me, found out afterwards, it was because Harbaugh was... was he was so pressed about not having a secondary, losing uh, um, players in that game on the defensive side that he didn't want to risk putting that defense on the team in overtime. Cool. Well, you end up taking the L. I look this week now. More injuries and another L. And this team is just losing grips. Not, forget the AFC. These men losing, losing touch in their own conference, in their own um, division, sorry. I think they're like second. Are they, no, they still are first, sorry. But this this division is arguably the best division in football. Is mm-hmm. in terms of the closest, tightest. Like all four of these teams are still in the mix, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it just doesn't look good for the Ravens going forward. I 
it seems that Lamar Jackson's injury is nothing that will keep him all long. It wasn't a high ankle sprain, so he should be back sooner than later. But at the same time, the, the Ravens, they could ill afford any losses from no till the remainder of the season. So for that, because of everything that's going on, not just on the field, but in their locker room with the injuries and so on, I have to say they're my biggest losers for this week. Well, you know, I actually don't, I don't disagree with your picking them for the biggest loser. Because I also thought that they were out there with the team I selected as the biggest loser this week. Mm-hmm. And we do have some comments coming in. Uh, Marza, he made mention of one team. And also, Kidway, he said that it was not a big loss in general, but to him it was the Cardinals given their form. But Marza, you and I agree. It is the Bills. What is going on with the Bills? I mean, okay. So let's let's flash back to last week and come forward. So last week, the Bills got run out of their own building by the Patriots. Now, this was supposed to be two of the best defenses in the league going up against one another. Okay. So the score ended 14 to 10. Mm-hmm. If you have two very good defensive teams, that's the kind of score that you should expect. But last week, they hadn't. They showed a complete inability to stop the run. And so, okay, last week you lost to the Sith Lord in your <laughs> old building. This week, you get chopped up by his apprentice. Brady reels the red lightsaber to the tune of 363 yards, two touchdowns. And one of them is a 58-yarder walk-off touchdown in overtime. Yes, you've lost Tredavious White, who is your all-pro cornerback. Mm -hmm. But you are supposed to be better than this. You are supposed to be able to do better on defense than you're allowing Brady and to show you how bad this game was, right? No, as I have been telling people, like telling folks in my WhatsApp groups, when I'm watching these games on Sunday, if I'm if I'm downstairs, I'm usually keeping tabs on like three or four games, depending on the devices they have around me. Mm-hmm. On the TV in front of me is probably the game I'm paying closest attention to. Mm-hmm. We have a TV over by the kitchen, and on that TV, I put another game. And then I have my tablet, which I may put one or two games, Red Zone or what have you, depending on how the games are going. Mm-hmm. When I started the afternoon, I had the Bills and the Buccaneers on the TV, on the big screen in front of me. And before halftime, I had it switched over to the kitchen because there was not, it was not a contest. The Bills were getting beat up and down the field. And this is supposed to be a team with an above average to elite quarterback in some people's books, Josh Allen. As Josh Allen going up against this tortured secondary of the Buccaneers, you have to be able to do better. And this is another week where their inability to run the football came back to bite them. So 
for me there is I can't I really couldn't justify then putting any rivers just beneath them, but to me they have to be the biggest losers of this week. I I I, I understand the pick, right? For me and if Kidway is still here, Kidway and I are in a chat with uh, some of, uh, of our other boys and stuff, you know, and one of them was saying, "Yeah, look like the Bills about to come back and win this." So I was like, "No, nah, they're not." And I was telling, I was telling Kidway because I'm pretty sure you know Kidway is also a Patriots fan, right? So he wanted them to lose as well. And I was telling Kidway, <laughs> "Look, don't worry, the Bucks are going to win this game." And even when, even when they were seemingly about to come back and they had the momentum and whatnot, I was like, "Nah, they're not going to win." From the beginning of the game, I expected the Bucks to win. I did not expect this Bills team. Uh, who, as you already articulated, cannot run the football to be able to beat uh, and uh, North uh, um, uh, uh, and have who have shown an inability to stop the run to be able to to beat this Bucks team. So I'm not surprised. So that's why for me I won't call it the biggest because I expected. I expect yeah, can wait Bucks is going to win this from minute one. <laughs> minute one. Yeah, he mentioned that the Bills they did have a good fourth quarter, but. The game isn't only played in fourth. You have to play all four quarters. And if it goes over time, you have to play that too. So, yeah. That is that is the biggest loser for this week. So, AJ, now to the moral victory. Who gets you? <laughs> Ricky says the Bills are cold fit. <laughs> all right, AJ. So, the moral victory. Who gets your moral victory for this week? I don't know why I opened this window. I'm going to be putting myself in danger because... As even though I'm living in Dallas, my moral victors for the week are the Washington football team. Well, you're talking about your former home team. Yeah, correct. I'm just making sure that I have no eyes in here, right? Yeah. The Washington <laughs> football Got to stay safe. Got to stay safe. Um, it is true. The Washington football team, because Taylor Haneke did not have a good game. And no, he did not. Then he eventually, yeah, I think he competed 11 of like 25 or something. So it was one of, one of his worst, worst days at the office. Right? Worst. One of his worst days at the office. Um, Terry McLaurin did not have a catch. Existed in the first, first quarter with a concussion. Yeah, there we go. So, and, and, and even before even before that, he was, he was um, being locked down by Trayvon Dick. So, it was nothing, it was nothing's unresting. But mm-hmm. the fact is, they lost both. And we know that in terms of their passing game, McLaurin is the linchpin there. And Heineke is, mm-hmm. we've spoken about Heineke ad nauseum. Mr. Heineken, he's been decent enough to carry the team, right? They lost yes. both of these guys. We're down, um, we're down at halftime. I think scoreless. They were, yeah, they, they, yeah, they, they were scoreless score at halftime. Correct. Mm-hmm. Despite all this, they were still able to come back into this game. Um, the defense held Dallas to a single field goal in that in that second, in the entire second half, and they lost the game by one score. Now we, we've. All of us have have been have spoken positively about this team. We've never really come down on the Washington football team, right? And mm-hmm. and to me, Sunday was testament to to what this team can actually do. To to lose to lose your quarterback and they had to bring in Kyle Allen. Well, good gosh! No, you saw me mention in the group. Kyle Allen is not the answer. He's not even the question. No, nope. correct. Good. So the fact that they had to bring in Kyle and he didn't even I think he could be like five of nine or something like that. So he didn't even have to pay much, but. The team was able to get, and it's also worth noting that their second highest receiver, J.D. McKissick, was also out. Yes. Now, to be fair, this probably says a lot more about Dallas than it does about the Washington football team, but 
at the end of the day, despite losing, and like I said, it was one score and all these with all these things that, that took place with the with that team during the game, they're still in position to potentially make the postseason, which would still be a, a, a very good ending to their season, all things considered. Indeed. So my moral victory, and for those of you who've been following our Instagram posts, you know we've already talked about one of the teams that was mentioned this week. So I'm going to make mention of the other one here. That's the Kansas City Chiefs. No, the Kansas City Chiefs, they beat the Raiders 48 to 9. <laughs> so 48 to 9 would suggest that they, they would have been more of a candidate for the biggest win. Mm-hmm. Biggest winners this week. But here's why I, I put them as our moral victor. So we've been very critical mm-hmm. of the Kansas City offense because the offense has not been playing very well this season. However, we have been very complimentary of how the defense has improved as the the season has gone on, which has definitely been carrying the team for the, well, except for maybe last week, the last few weeks, Mm -hmm. the wins they've managed managed to pull out have been on the strength of their defense, on the back of the defense, and not on what the offense has done. But the offense this week really sparked into life. And, of course, the defense was not going to be left behind. The first player from scrimmage was a scoop and scumble. Sorry, scoop and score <laughs> fumble recovery. I don't know where scumble Scumble, came from. scumble. I like it. It's a, it's, a, it's a good contraction of the words. I like it, though. Scoop and scumble. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the scoop and scumble. So, um, <laughs> scoop and score fumble recovery. And Derek Carr, he was also picked off in this game. The Chiefs hold the Raiders to 4 for 11 on third down, and they have four fumbles in total. Now, what the offense did that they haven't been doing, and we have spoken about it ad nauseum, is that they actually committed a bit to the run game in this game. 132 yards, three touchdowns on the ground. For the Raiders, maybe it's not a good idea to go stand on people's logos. To have your I, pregame I, I meeting. Why people, I don't know why they still do it. You know, I, I was actually kind of glad that they got trumps like that. You know, I hate to see that foolishness. You know, I I don't understand it. So you're going up against a division rival. How does that make sense? How does it make sense to, regardless of how they feel coming into the game? This is before the game starts. So, yeah, we can come out, we can warm up and everything. And then we're going back to the locker room, though. So, we can go in here, we can have a chat. We can, you know, get ourselves all fired up and ready to go. And on my side, and I'm saying, you, oh, they just stand up on my logo? The whole squad? Come on, man. I think big, bad, and brave. Correct. And then get beat by. Get, get your mouth bust up. Correct. All right. So, <sighs> more of it. Too. I know. Funny you mentioned Vikings. Um, yeah, Vikings. That that is a good pick there, kid. Right? I, the Vikings they did have a quality win. <laughs> Two hundred yards for the scrimmage for Dalvin Cut. Yeah, yeah. We could. Yeah, we could just. We could. We can. We can leave the Pittsburgh Steelers alone for now. All right, so now, AJ, least inspiring win. Who gets your least inspiring win for this week? Well, I can't remember if I've done this all season, but um, I'm number one, firstly, sorry, my least inspiring win, I have to mention two teams because I, I pretty much saw the same thing 
over the weekend. Secondly, I'm going to stay in one game. So it, it's, it's funny how Kidway just mentioned that that is going to perfectly segue. I mentioned mm -hmm. Washington as my moral victors. So one of my least inspiring wins was the Dallas Cowboys. Don't at me. Liam, you still here? <laughs> Liam, you still here? One, one, one of them least inspiring wins, Dallas Cowboys. Secondly, I have to mention the Vikings. Let me try to be brief with both of these. Mm -hmm. I, 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 just, I just spoke about the, the manner in which the Cowboys won. They were, they were leading the game up until, like, it seemed like it was going to be a blow, right? They were up, what, 24, 24 to nothing at halftime. Three points in the second half. Doc didn't look good in the second half. They, they win the game by a single score. And this is a team everyone is telling me is supposed to be going to Super Bowl. <laughs> cool. Cool. Yeah, Lane, I had to say it. I'm sorry. Yeah, I had to be. I had to be. You, can't be up, you cannot be up 24 to nothing at halftime and then win 27 to 20. Erroneous. And I have to mention the Vikings as well. Same, same predicament. Same predicament. Uh, you just mentioned how Dalvin Cook ran over every... Dalvin Cook had the best half of his professional career. Right? Yes. He was over 200 in that first half, right? Mm -hmm. No, he was over 100. He finished over with over 200 in the game. Either way, either way, he was unstoppable in the first half. Unstoppable. Yes. And, uh, and, and it's not like he was bad through the remainder of the game, but the Vikings just weren't. They weren't. Again, a 23 to nothing score at halftime. And, and not, let, let's not be under any illusions. It's not like the Steelers are generally a bad team, but they have not been consistent this season. Look at the manner in which the Steelers were able to come back in this game, Ken. Yep. It, 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 and, and if, if Chase Claypool had, had a little more sense, had a little more sense, <laughs> he could have helped his team to have, to have a few more seconds and maybe they would have had another play. Um, but credit to um, Harrison Smith for making that, the, the block on, on the very final um, play when Ben was trying to find Frymo in the end zone. It was mm -hmm. a very good defensive play, so um, in the end, they held on. But they, they were in a position where they should not have been trying to hold on. And oh, I, and, and I must mention, I must mention, Kirk Cousins was not that impressive. He was not. Mm -hmm. We had the whole Kirk Cousins experience in that game. Bruh. <laughs> so I, I, I felt like given, given the fact that these teams look like they, both of them, the Dallas Cowboys, yes, Lane. Oh, say that a little too loud, though. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and, and yeah, Vikings. be careful over there, please. And, all right, and all right. And the Minnesota Vikings were both in positions where they should, they could have had these games um, locked up by the third quarter, and instead, it, it basically came down to like the last play of the game. Okay, so we are going to have someone who is going to join us on our um, live show today. Justin Marvel of This Just In. Welcome. Glad to see you, sir. I see I, I see my guy putting himself in trouble in the middle of Texas. I can't come over there and help him. <laughs> I just, Justin, I know I know, get a little too passionate there, and I, I realized I was speaking a bit too loudly, right? I mean, yeah. Just go hide myself. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just keep down. it down a bit. <laughs> So, Justin, I, I know I didn't ask you this before, but you know this is what we do all the time. So, I'm just going to give you a chance. Did you have somebody that you were looking at for the least inspiring win of this week? Whoa. Ho, ho, ho. Uh, I didn't get a chance to prepare for that one. But off the top, I'm going to say the Dallas Cowboys. Because, like... <laughs> Yeah, they, when you talk, when you look at two teams, right? Mm -hmm. The 
talent differential is so large. Like, I could go through, like, you have a superior quarterback in Doc Prescott. You got a better backfield because of that combo. I mean, Tony Pollard didn't play, and Ezekiel Elliott is banged up. Um, you have, by far, the better wide receiver um, core. Terry McLaurin is really good, but when you put C.D. Lamb and Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper, yeah, that obviously three is great. Uh, like I said to Ken, the, um, Washington's second best receiver is a running back. Is there, there's not a running back. <laughs> and their quarterback is an undrafted guy. I do not believe in undrafted players not named Kurt Warner or Tony, Tony Romo. <laughs> and then when you look at the defensive side of the ball, which Dallas was actually good on, like all these stars, like, you know, they have back the Marcus Lawrence, Marcus Lawrence, right? Uh, Randy Gregory. Mm-hmm. Then Michael Parsons, who I have said from the day one, the moment that Dallas drafted, they drafted the best defensive player in the draft. Or partly, they've drafted the best defensive player in the league right now. But we'll get to that. Then you have Trayvon Diggs. This team, man, <clears throat> man, is uber talented. And to barely be beating that Washington team by one score, like one score, like that Prescott has gone in reverse. And you know me, I actually have the stats for this. Like, I think of his last six games, he only has eight touchdowns and six interceptions. And, and with this team, right, all you have to do if you're a Dak is just don't turn off the football. Like, you can just win this on autoplay because the team is that talented. So for you to be like barely beating uh, Washington by one score, like letting him in. After they come with turnovers, the new force. Michael Parsons was everywhere on the field. Randy Gregory. Now that was my least inspiring win for the for, for the. Well, that's what week fourteen that just passed. Yeah, week fourteen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's just to to help well piggyback a little bit off of the point that you were making, in terms of a team who also was up big and then was kind of holding on at the end. You got me mention the Cleveland Browns. Mm. No. I don't know if you both saw this. AJ, you might have. Justin, I'm not sure if you saw it. But there was a better. There was a guy mm. who decided to walk into a, you know, a bookie and put down $357,000 on the Browns, two and a half. So for those who are not um, versed in how these betting things work, if the Browns are minus 2.5. They have to win by three or more for you to win this bet. The Browns were up 24 to 6 at the half. And they won the game 24 to 22. He lost all of that money on the Browns. But that is his fault for betting on the Browns. So, it has, has to be a Cleveland. It has to be an Ohio native. Yeah, yeah, with with way too much money. But my least inspiring week, win of week 14 was the Tennessee Titans. The Tennessee Titans won 20 to nothing against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So you shout out the Jaguars. Big whoop. You got four interceptions of Trevor Lawrence. Okay. But only 191 yards from Ryan Tannehill. Against the spring break in Cancun of the NFL Jaguars, <laughs> hey, like I'm not gonna hold it too much against him, Ken, because the team is built all around Derrick Henry on both sides of the football. Like, what they do is predicated on Derrick Henry being there, and 
you know, the fact that they had to remake this all on the fly with their Henry going down, and it seems that eventually they'll get him back. I, I don't hold it against him too much because reality, we all know Ryan Tannehill, you can't ask Ryan Tannehill to win you games. You can ask him not to lose you, but I'm not going to hold it against him for beating the Jaguars 20 nothing. At least, at least they did not allow the Jaguars to score, so I'll, I'll put it that way. Yeah, but the thing is, well, Tannehill's only contribution in the scoring column was a rushing touchdown. He he didn't pass for one in that game, and he he needs to do more. He has to produce more if they're going to have any sort of aspirations to anything in the postseason. You're not playing in Cancun every week. So you have to be able to put points on the board and you as the quarterback, you have to be able to move the ball and put your team in positions to score. Right now, the Tennessee Titans are tied with the Patriots and the Chiefs at 9-4 for the best record in the AFC. But their 9-4 feels fraudulent. There's no other way to describe it. I'll give them a graded until their Henry returns. <laughs> okay. No problem. So now we move, after we finish the Blitz, now we move into some of the other topics. And Justin, these are the ones that I said to you. So I apologize for springing that one on you, but I know you would have had something uh, with regards to who would have had the least inspiring victory for the week. So first up is my guy, and I'll claim him, my guy, Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor's been benched again. He has to be the most unlucky quarterback in the NFL. So let's recap what's happened to Tyrod Taylor so far in his career. Tyrod Taylor was benched in Buffalo for Nathan Five Pick Peterman. He went to. No, uh, yeah, it was one game, but the fact is he still got benched. For somebody, somebody somewhere had the thought that Nathan Peterman was a better quarterback than Tyrod Taylor. He goes to Cleveland, he gets a concussion, and then Baker Mayfield takes over and he never looks back. He took a needle in the lungs from the team doctor in Los Angeles and Justin Herbert hasn't looked back. I am not here to tell you that it was done on purpose or that it was an accident. However, I am a little suspicious when you as a team doctor can jab somebody so hard. A professional athlete who does not have a little chicken chest like some of us, who has some muscle on his chest, you can jab him so hard that you can nick his lungs with an anyhow. I'll just move on. And no... Before you move on, Rick, Sure, go ahead. When whatever money they eventually give Justin Herbert, some of that money has to go to that doctor. That is the best job I have ever. That's the best job since the vaccines. Like, 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 <laughs> make no mistake, there has to be like I'd give the signing bonus to the doctor. You could have made a better job if you trading. But go ahead. All right. So now we know that Tyrod he is in Houston, and Tyrod has not played badly in Houston. But no, he's also been benched again. And he's been benched now for Davis Mills. Now, Mills had a decent game. He was 33 of 49, 331 yards, touchdown, no picks. Dustin, do you have any sympathy for Tyrod? 
No. At this point, let's look through, as you said, right? The only time I feel for Tyrod was the Buffalo situation because I don't understand how anyone with a modicum of knowledge of football can look at the Peterman and think this is a quarterback, far less a starting one. So I'm giving a pass there, right? But mm -hmm. we all knew going into the Cleveland situation, Tyrod Taylor was just holding the seat warm for, for Baker Mayfield, even though, well, we know how that's going. But that's another topic mm -hmm. of conversation for another time. We all knew that he was just holding the seat warm for, for, for Justin Herbert. Uh, he probably started one game too many, in my estimation. She just put Justin Herbert there for the get-go. Mm -hmm. And, like, you going into this Houston situation, I am guessing Tyrod had to know not that he is holding the bench warm for, for Davis Mills because, God Lord, Davis Mills is another career backup in my estimation. But you just have to know at this point in his career, he's going to be a career backup and he should be using this season to show teams he is a viable number two option. Like, I think in his mind, he should be using this situation as well, showcasing somebody. Um, let me give you an example. As much as I didn't respect him, the former coach in Philadelphia Eagles, what's his name again? That just not too long got fired. Peterson? Yes. He valued him and Sean Payton. See, they have a ranking board of the top 15 positions on a football roster. Mm -hmm. And inside that top 15, they have backup quarterback. They value the backup quarterback position very, very highly. And I think that is what Tyrod Taylor should be doing right now this season to show somebody who values having in backup with somebody, a starter who's injury prone or a starter like Josh Allen that goes up there, takes a lot of licking. Mm -hmm. Pay me because I can be a valuable backup. At this stage of his life, Tyrod Taylor is not a starting quarterback in the NFL. It is not coincidental that he has lost four straight starting jobs on four straight teams. Wow. Wow. Okay. What about you, AJ? Do you have any sympathy for Tyrod? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not as... I'm not going to be as harsh as Justin and just bring it up. I, I kind of do. I kind of do. The, like, Tyrod is like the Jesse Pinkman. Y'all watch Breaking Bad? He's like Jesse Pinkman. He's just being taken advantage of everywhere. But but I'll get into that. No, the thing is, I don't think... Justin isn't wrong, you know, in, in what he's like. In all of those situations, Tyrod was going into these teams knowing that eventually he would probably be, you know, like su succeeded. You know, like someone is, like, there's someone behind him who's, who's going to eventually take his place. But it's just the manner in which they happen, though. I mean, as you said, like, in Buffalo, you get benched for one game for five pick Peterman, and they put it back <laughs> in, cool. But then Buffalo was moving in another direction, and they did not, they could not carry Tyro Taylor because he's just too much of a passenger for where they wanted to go, right? So they get rid of Tyro there. He goes to, to, to Cleveland. I mean, to lose, to lose your starting job because you're not playing well is one thing. When you get a concussion, <laughs> get a con <laughs> to me, that's, that's a bit unlucky, though. And I'm not laughing because the guy got a concussion, obviously. But it's, like I said, it's just a manner in which. So Baker, Baker comes in, and we know that Cleveland had been waiting on Baker to get onto the field. They drafted him number one. So it, that was only a matter of time, right? So cool. Yep. There was no way back for Tyrod after that. Then the next one was the Chargers. Now, 
That was purpose work, you know. That was purpose. I just see it. That was purpose work. That was purpose work. And you know, and I, I'm I'm pretty sure to you all this. Justin Herbert is my favorite in the NFL. I mean, Tom is a goat. As he's a different status for me. But Justin Herbert is my favorite quarterback in the NFL. So I'm glad he eventually got on the field to play. But it was still going to happen. Like Justin said, maybe maybe it was that Tyrod did play one game too much, too many. But we know that that Jay Herbert was going to take over the reins at some point. But but for it to happen like that. And then in this case, now to be with a dumb in a dumpster fire team like the Houston Texans, where neither you you are neither the you're not the start the starting quarterback, but because of his discrepancies and, and legal issues, he's the, the the starter is not there. It's like like Chris Benoit, he has been erased from erased from from history from memory of, of the Houston Texans at least temporarily, right? Mm-hmm. You're starting and then. The team is absolute trash. And uh, you mentioned, Ken, that it's not as if Tyrod has been terrible this season. He's been doing Tyrod things, like keeping them afloat, essentially. But then the team is so much foolishness that I'm pretty sure at this point it's not even about taking out Tyrod because he's not playing well. It's just, you know, we just drafted a rookie. The season's done. Let's just see what he has. Right. And that's the point he really should make. At this stage of his career, every single team knows what they have in Tyrod Taylor if he's on your roster. You know. And I think part of it is that they also have to know, get to know what they have in Davis Mills. You already know, like, this is, if you have Tyrod Taylor on your team, this is a stopgap measure. This is not a long-time starting quarterback. Agree, agree. So, and and Tyrod Taylor has to know this. That's what I'm saying. He uh, needs to know to go into situations telling himself he is going to be a valuable backup. So, well, Justin is definitely not on having any sympathy for Tyrod. And AJ is, yeah, a little bit. I, I feel for Tyrod Taylor. And this is why. So, Tyrod Taylor, when you look at his career numbers, Especially compared to others. Call and Baker's name. Do it. You want to call Baker's name. <laughs> I, I, I never want to necessarily call Baker's name. I'm just looking at, just comparing him to others. We look at, okay, so I'll just give you some numbers for Tyrod Taylor. 61.3% completion percentage. 10,736 yards. 2,001 yards rushing. 59 passing touchdowns. 19 rushing touchdowns. This is the biggest one for me. 25 interceptions on 1,542 pass attempts. Tyrod Taylor is not a trash quarterback. Oh, not, I mean, not you, can't, you, can't throw, you can't throw the ball away if you're only throwing it five yards. You shouldn't be. If you're only throwing <laughs> well, it five yards. If it, well, well, you shouldn't really. Exactly no, but... Okay. Point, I mean, if, if you're only dinking and dunking it, if it you really but, should not be giving it to the other team. But look at this season, though. So he, he has a wide receiver... And Brandon Cooks, who is I, last, last time I checked, was in the top ten in the NFL in yards. Cooks is having a really good season. He is, and Cooks is not only just catching screens and and slants. Tyrod Taylor has been pushing the ball down the field a bit more because he knows that that is a criticism that they've had for him for his entire career. But the fact still remains. Tyrod Taylor is a quarterback that can win you games. Those numbers that I just gave you are not trash numbers for a quarterback. That's a quarterback that if you put him in the right situation, 
Allah is Jimmy Garoppolo, he would be able to carry this team. He'll be able to carry the team, and he can hit the shots down the field as he's shown this season. Well, Tyrod Taylor is not perfect. Whenever Trailer takes over the job, then he could become the backup over there, a cheap backup in San Francisco since you're so pushing for Tyrod. I believe that Tyrod Taylor can help a team. The problem that Tyrod has had ever since he left Buffalo is that he goes to a team that needs a savior, and he's not a savior. No, he's not. And, and the problem, as you made mention, he went to the, to the Browns, who was drafting the quarterback number one. So he was not going to have that job long term. He went to the Chargers, who also drafted the quarterback in their, with their first round pick, who has looked fantastic from the time he got in. So there was no way that Tyrod Taylor was going to hold that job either. I take your point where they have to look and see what they have with Davis Mills because the expectation is that by hook or by crook, they are going to have a different quarterback starting in Houston next season because Deshaun Watson is not returning to that franchise. But I still feel, yeah, okay, the season is pretty much done, but you can might as well let Tyrell play the string, man. Come on. Come on. Um, this is, at this point, he's been playing peewee football. Let, let, the, let the kids run about and let everybody get a turn. That's what it is. Yeah, I mean, Not other people to play QB. Let them get a turn. Like, what's the sense of... I mean, and, and that Houston Texans organization is so badly mismanaged, right? What is the sense going up there to fumble and win games? Like, you don't want to trip up and accidentally win games <laughs> a la the New York Jets last season. Like, you, you, so, like, put in somebody competent like Tyrod Taylor. You might accidentally beat somebody that's good. You don't want that. I mean, granted, oh, yeah. granted like, you're not going to get Spencer Rattler this year because, good gosh, I don't know what happened over there in Oklahoma, but mm-hmm. he got returned for another season. I think the news is that he's going to, to South Carolina only. Yeah, so there, there aren't any good quarterbacks coming out of this draft. I guess not. But now you're talking about... Let the Texans play their peewee football with their orange slices and Capri Suns on the sideline and, <laughs> and, and, and try out whoever at QB. Okay. No problem. Now, Justin, you made mention of a situation that's being mismanaged. Welcome, Collective Pod. Glad to see you. Glad to have you join us. Um, another situation that has been mismanaged, at least in my estimation, is Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. Now, we know that Russell Wilson has not been very happy recently in Seattle. And we know this for a fact because we heard that he was looking at potential teams for a trade in this just past offseason. We had some public flirtations by the mayor of New Orleans and the other teams that he said he would have been interested in during the offseason were, yes, the, the um, New Orleans Saints, the Chicago Bears, the Las Vegas Raiders, and the Dallas Cowboys. Most recently, he's reportedly included the New York Giants and, and Denver Broncos. But he has come out and said that he hasn't included any other teams in his wish list. So first, AJ, give you first crap. Was your read on the situation and... Where should Russell Wilson go next if it is not Seattle? Uh, I, 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 like at the beginning of this season, well, before in the preseason, I was, I was thinking your team would actually be like a really good fit. No, I ain't too sure. 
I'm not too sure. Um, he said it was the Saints, the the Bears, the Raiders, and, and the Cowboys, and the Cowboys, and the Cowboys. Yeah, those were the first four initial, and then we heard recently that it was the Giants and the Broncos included in this list. No, um, that boy ain't going anywhere. That can go anywhere. So he could he could let go. That's this is the different strokes kind of thing, you know. Yeah, I remember different strokes too. The old, the old sitcom, yeah. That's that's Jerry. That is Jerry Jones' adopted son. He ain't going anywhere. Um, <laughs> I still, I you know what? I actually think the Raiders might be a good fit. Uh, it it kind of depends on who they bring in as a coach as well. Because, I mean, while I just agreed, um, Thompson in in the in the com in the comments saying that Pete must go, it doesn't make sense leaving for a worse situation. So, um, and. We discussed this with Justin already. Like, um, what's his name? I, the name is not coming to me now. The, the interim head coach at Raiders. He's not going to be there long Besace. term. Right, right. He's not going to be there long term. So it is to see who they're replacing with. But in terms of just personnel and, and the organization, I, I, I like the Raiders for him, though, honestly. Okay. What about you, Justin? Give me your exact question. <laughs> what is your read? On the situation right now in Seattle, and where, yeah, and where should Russell Wilson go if he leaves the Seahawks? So here's the first thing: I'm not answering your question directly, right? The Seahawks would be absolutely stupid to move on from Russell Wilson, especially when a there are no, as I said, this draft, upcoming draft, there are no potential franchise quarterbacks in this in this upcoming draft and you do not have his replacement anywhere on that roster and as many Tyra Taylor might be free <laughs> <laughs> just saying just saying and as much as we talk about all these young quarterbacks knocking around the league right there are not many true franchise quarterbacks and there are definitely not 10 quarterbacks in this league better than Russell Wilson so to agree with Marcus, what he said, if someone had or if someone should go, it really should be Pete Carroll. And Pete Carroll is a coach I really, truly respect. But I think football has gone a bit past him now. And if there really, really is like uh, a, whatever, a disconnect between the two, I can tell you from my own franchise, Green Bay Packers, yeah, Mike McCarthy delivers a, a Super Bowl. But guess what? He's no longer in town when things didn't add up with him and Aaron Rodgers. Like, you got to choose the franchise quarterback because there are just not that many laying around. Let's say for argument's sake, say you trade him up. And I don't like people in these scenarios coming up talking about, well, you trade him for this player, the next player, the third. Teams no longer want players, not in the NFL. Teams want draft picks. And I have this saying, draft picks are valuable up, right up until you use them to draft players. Because players are bad. The, the players are really, really bad. <laughs> I, I laugh when we look at the NFL draft, right? And and every single player in these first three rounds, we highlight them. I say, oh, this person. And I look at them like, the, the, the chances of most of these players becoming all pros or pro bowlers, very few. So players are bad. They're going to want draft picks. And these draft picks are not likely to become Russell Wilson. So if I am the general manager, John Schneider, and I know the relationship between John Schneider and Pete Carroll is like this, 
So it's going to be really, really hard for him to make that move. So I could see him moving Russ before he moves Pete Carroll. But he really should move Pete Carroll because you are going to find yourself in the dregs of the NSUS for at least 10 years. That's what's going to happen. If they do decide to move on, right, like the Broncos make the most sense because of the draft capital that they have. There's not a player that you're going to want, maybe with the exception of the first round pick that they um, think, boy, uh, Patrick Sertain. I think he is already a top 10 corner. That boy is something, something good. Like He is really, really good. Very special. And I was wondering what the hell was Denver doing not taking Justin Fields. And now we can understand a bit because Patrick Sertain really is good. And obviously, they just want my quarterback, really and truly. But yeah, <laughs> Russ, the, Russ the Denver makes more sense because of the draft capital that Denver may have. The only issue is is that their first-round picks are not going to be, or this year's first-round pick is not going to be very clean because you know they're trying to make a push, push in the playoffs. And even if they miss the push or they miss the playoffs, that's still going to be what? That pick is going to be a range of what? 13, 14, 15? So, I don't know. But, yeah, to Denver makes more sense in terms of what Seattle would get back. I know you want him in your organization. And pairing him with a Sean Payton would make sense for Russ. Yeah, I think it also makes more sense for Russ also to go to Denver because of the weapons that they have. I like the kid, Javante Williams. I like Cortland Sutton. And their defense is already, in my estimation, ready to win a Super Bowl. It's just on the offensive side of football. So I think Denver makes more sense for Russ Trade. Or both both for Russ and for the organization if they go down that stupid path because they draft capital that can get back. Okay. Well, you know, Justin, you and I, we we had this conversation on a post with regards to... I will not attack your scenes. I will let you make your case, and then I will attack the case for you. But go ahead. <laughs> so, yeah, I I will start by saying that I do understand that Denver, from a personnel perspective, as the teams are currently constructed, would be the best fit for Russell. Now... When you look at the weapons that they have, both they have a young running back, they have good wide receivers, they have a good tight end. And if, yes, they forgot Noah Fant. Yeah, Noah Fant is a good tight end as well. So they do have good personnel. The only problem that Russell has with Denver is that Denver wants Aaron Rodgers and they don't necessarily want him. So... Well, yeah, he might be good if you have the option to make a trade because both of them would have to be traded for. If you're going to make a trade for either Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers, more than likely, Mahal City is going to go to get Aaron Rodgers, especially knowing that of the two of them right now, Aaron is the one more likely to move at this point. But I still think that he would be great that was me giving you the, the pundit's answer. This is me not giving you the personal answer. He would be great in New Orleans. Of course, New Orleans has a fantastic 
Olane, which he does not have in Seattle. Our Olane is still better than the one that they have in Denver right now. The only Olane of the teams that he's mentioned that is comparable is the one in the Raiders. The Raiders do have a very good Olane as well. But our Olane is, is fantastic. Of all of the teams, of all of the coaches that he's mentioned, Sean Payton is the best. No without, Yeah, without no a shadow of a doubt, Sean Payton is the best. And then we probably have the best single player of all of them. And the guy Kamara. whose jersey that I'm wearing right now, number 41, Alvin Kamara. No argument here. Now, if we bring Russ in, then we also get the added benefit of Taysom Hill, the skilled position player, not Taysom Hill, the quarterback. So Taysom Hill, the halfback, fullback, tight end, wide receiver, punt returner. And when you... That is one weird contract. (laughs) Exactly. It is. But when you you take Taysom Hill as Taysom Hill and you then allow him to give you the full Taysom Hill experience, which is hardly throwing the football and doing everything else, then he is a very, very useful utility piece to have. You and I, we discussed, and we disagreed on Michael Thomas. Now, when Michael Thomas first came into the, to the league, Michael Thomas was a player who was getting deep, and he was making some good catches down the field. As Drew Brees' arm got weaker, Michael Thomas started to work a lot closer to the lane of scrimmage. Now he is coming back from this ankle. But the fact still remains that Michael Thomas, regardless of how shifty or how fast he might be, he's not going to lose his hands, and his hands are fantastic. And you give Russell Wilson a wide receiver on the outside with the hands of Michael Thomas, you have a running back like Alvin Kamara, who can also go on the outside, who can work intermediate. He can, he can do everything on the football field offensively. You give him Taysom Hill as a utility piece to do whatever he feels like. And then you come back then to the offensive, the appearing of the offensive line with the coach. He would be hard-pressed to do better than to come to New Orleans. Sorry. As 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 AJ is smiling, I, I gave Ken his chance to you know to push forward his team. Now here is the thing that you missed. First, New Orleans does not have the presence of a John Elway, and that is huge. That's like people miss why Denver is such an attractive position, and that's because they have a front office man who is a top. I want to say five quarterback of all time who understands the position. That's why Peyton Manning went there. That's why Aaron Rodgers wants to go there. And Russ is a man who will look up to John Elway, and John Elway knows the position like any other quarterback. That's one. Two, I do not believe, and you would have to tell me because you know the Saints news better than I do, that Michael Thomas ever, ever, ever puts back on a New Orleans jersey. And again, it is clear whatever has happened, like he is done with the organization from a trust standpoint. I don't know how it got to that position, but it is clear. He no longer trusts the front office. He no longer trusts the head coach. There's some breakdown, and I, I have to believe he is done. What Michael Thomas has shown me, I do not believe that this guy, and I know you've tied it to Drew Brees' arm. You may be right. But nothing that Michael Thomas has shown me tells me this man is a true deep threat. 
I've always thought that he's overrated. And the reason I don't like Russ in that situation in your team is because Russ, like unlike any other quarterback, loves the deep ball. There is not a better deep ball thrower than Russell Wilson. You see that with Tyler Lockett. You see that with DK Metcalf. Michael Thomas is not that dude. And maybe your other skill position players on the outside, you know, can benefit from having Russ. But I just don't, like, if, if let's say, for argument's sake, Michael Thomas comes back. And I don't know, like, this is a guy who's not played for the better part of two seasons now. So I don't know what Michael Thomas is coming back as anyhow. I don't like that Russ, Michael Thomas pairing, because as you mentioned, the offensive line, and I think Seattle's offensive line gets too much blame for what goes on. Russ is also a guy that likes to hold on to the ball way too long. And mm-hmm. as much as Michael Thomas is going to work the middle of the field, I have seen and I've documented time and time and time again, Russell Wilson, quite like Patrick Mahomes, does not like to take what is given to him underneath. Russell Wilson is going to hold on to the ball and look for something deep. And he is he, he sabotages himself in terms of getting a lot of sacks. So I've said a lot about your team, so go ahead. Sorry, Ken. But I, I, yeah, I prefer him in Denver than, 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 than New Orleans. But that being said, you have a very, very good defense, a very underrated, very good defense. You have the, of the teams, you have the best offensive uh, line. And you have the far superior coach of every one of these teams because Vic Fangio should not be a head coach. He should be a defensive coordinator. AJ, do you have something to add before I um, address <laughs> Justin's <laughs> questions? There's, there's no reason for me to, to pick up on your team. I, I, I like Justin just articulated everything well. I don't know. I just for me, I, I think that the Raiders are are, are an underrated uh, um, landing spot for him. They may not be the best. I, I just think he would work well there. Because um, they all even mentioned Noah Fant in Denver, but he would have Darren Waller. I mean, I, I know you mentioned the point, Justin, that he likes to take deep shots, but it, it, if, if you have a, a weapon like Waller, it, it could probably um, give you an opportunity to, to be able to, to get away from that. Like, let's be honest, he, he hasn't had that many like, exceptional tight end talents to work with in his time. Well, he had Jimmy Graham, but that was the Jimmy. back end of Jimmy. He, that, exactly, that was he was the back end of. Exactly. That was the corpse of Jimmy Graham. Exactly. I, I would before I, I can just he'll quickly say this, right? I'm mm. sorry to be dominating this. Yeah, if yeah. I was a black player, right, mm. and I'm going to say this, and in fact, no, I, I don't care. If I'm a black player, right, I'd be very, very worried as a major free agent going to the Las Vegas Raiders. I'd be very, very worried because not only is this franchise not quite currently showing me a level of dysfunction that is only surpassed by the Houston Texans and the Jacksonville Jaguars, right? Mm-hmm. That situation that happened with John Gooden, I keep my eyes very, very open, right? And the reason I say that is because John Gooden was not going to be disciplined or released after the initial signs of the, when he, the release about his clearly racist comments. Mm-hmm. Everybody shoved that on the rug. Even black people were comfortable with what was said. I don't know why. And the, the only reason John Gruden went through the door is because of the further release of the emails and the NFL wanted to make a case for John Gruden and pressuring um, Al Davis' son, Mark Davis, to fire this man. Because Mark Davis is on record as saying when he was asked, well, what, you know, what should they do about John Gruden? They said, 
he said, sorry, ask the NFL. So it shows clearly that he had John Gruden's back. And if I'm Russell Wilson or any other black major free agent, I'd watch my ass going up there to Las Vegas, huh? But go ahead, kid. So the one thing that when you were talking, Justin, that I was definitely remembering all the time. You know, there's a statement, there's an old statement that says, a rising tide lifts all boats. Yep. So when we have a Russell Wilson come join us in New Orleans, everything that seems to be lacking or struggling is going to look a whole lot different. It's going to look a whole lot better because we have Russ as quarterback. Now, you made mention of the deep threat um, and your concern of Michael Thomas being the deep threat. Um, Marcus made mention of Marquez Calloway, who has shown some ability to get deep. But there's another name that comes to mind that, to me, would be the even better option as a deep threat, and that is Deontay Harris. Agreed. When you give Deontay Harris an opportunity to get the ball in his hand and run at people, or just run at people, he has shown that he has the ability to get deep. He can be the one to take the top off of the defense to allow everybody else then to work underneath. You then bring the fact that Russ can run and you pair him with Alvin Kamara in the backfield. It is is a win. I, I see it as a win. But right now, I'm just campaigning for a good quarterback to get to my team because this season has gone horribly wrong from the time that Jameis went down, and we really, really need to get somebody in there because as much as they promised Taysom Hill and they've agreed to pay Taysom Hill if he was to be the quarterback, I hope he never gets that money. I do not want him as my quarterback for my team. I have a friend <laughs> that does a podcast, right? And he has said his true statement. Just because you hang out in a quarterback room does not mean you're a quarterback, huh? And they it is true. It's clearly at you, Taysom Hill. <laughs> <laughs> no, we did have a lot of comments come in on this one. Some force are campaigning for... Who's too along my line, too? I like that. You see, I, I'm considering... Why, why wouldn't we want to see CR in Vegas, too? I love it. Showtime. He's also, <laughs> he's also yeah. pushing for Russ in New York. And they just said, for that to happen, right, the first thing is that you've got to get rid of that general manager. Yes. Get him in. You, they, they, and the coach. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, that should follow too. Like, like Dave Gettleman, I think, have to go uh, and, and, and judge. judge. Mm-hmm. And, oh, gosh. I want, yes, what Marcus said there, I won't repeat that. But <laughs> <laughs> there are people who I don't know how they got jobs. And as much as Cliff Kingsbury is proving me wrong in Arizona, although he kind of proved me right, Last night, I don't know how he got a job as a head coach in NFL, nor do I know how Joe Judge. Because, and similarly, as I said, just because you hang out in a quarterback room doesn't make you a quarterback. Just because you hang out with Bill Belichick does not mean that you're a great coach either. Correct. Well, you know, we've seen a lot of that from Bill's disciples, but that's not the conversation that we're going to have right now. Ah, we, we were talking about some, some thoughts that were dysfunction and dysfunctional places. And now we're going to talk about Age's favorite dysfunctional coach of all time. Woo! Urban this, this Meyer. Really brought, this is really what you brought me here, but I'll let, yeah. go ahead, Age. Yeah. Let, 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 let's go. Let's get this ball rolling. rolling. All right, so let me, just, let me just help set the stage. 
And then I'll give you guys an opportunity. I'll just let you off the leash and let you run. So we know Urban Meyer is back in the news. We're hearing that he had a big cuss out with Marvin Jones Jr. to the point where Marvin Jones Jr. left the facility and was outside and I had to come and tell him to come back inside. You know, it's like when a fella gone away, boys, and they had an argument in the club, and one guy decided, you see me, I'm just talking about here we all the morning. They just go outside and stand up. And somebody got us to come and play a peacemaker to get him to come back and rejoin the group. That's what happened with Marvin Jones Jr. No, we're also hearing that there was a big bust up, a big meeting where uh, Urban is calling out players individually and calling out coaches individually and asking them for their credentials because he is a winner and they are losers. Uh, AJ, this can't continue, can it? <laughs> I, 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 I'm not going to make Urban Meyer and a, a topic about Urban Meyer make me lose my composure here right now, right? <laughs> but, I, can't, I can't promise you that. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll leave that to you, Justin. As our distinguished guest, I'll allow you to do that. But I, I'm just... From the beginning, when Urban Meyer was hired, I said in one of our chats, and Ken remembers this clearly because it was brought yep. up just the other day. There was a gentleman uh, in the in the chat who said that you know the Jaguars looking good. This is a good hire. Like I don't know about that. This is uh, I'm very skeptical about this. And the one thing I mentioned, Ken, if you remember, was the fact that this man breathes some toxic cultures wherever he goes. I'm not. I'm not even before we even get to the field. It's just toxicity all around, like like system of a dome. It's toxicity all around, right? And 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 here we have it. It began even before the season started, and and here and and look at where we are now. No, no. The thing is, he obviously came out and emphatically denied these allegations. I know that there's no, but but if a team is losing, the, listen, we we've all watched not just football, but we've watched sports for long enough. When a team is this bad, and especially in football, if you're getting shut out like multiple times in a season, this is something that goes beyond just tactics on the field. You know, there's something going on behind the scenes that that players that clearly there's some disconnect between player players and coach or coaches that the job is not getting done because you can't be getting shut out like this. Like, how many times in the season the, the, the Jaguars went without without a point? I noticed last week. I guess the titles was not the only time. You you could you could fact check that. I know I know that could not have been the only time. Pretty sure they were shut out at some other point in time. But either way, there's so much going on here. It is it is evident that Urban Meyer could talk to the coast come home, as we say back in Ben. But there is something that is happening, and he is at the center of it. I I and to, to I'll just refer to the the term that was used that Justin did not want to repeat, but we all know it to be true. This is the same thing that's happening in this situation. Urban Meyer shouldn't have had a job in the NFL in the first case. Sorry, I both I am losing it. Urban Meyer shouldn't be, he shouldn't have been here in the first case. But you know what? But Shad Khan has to be half an idiot too to hire a man with this kind of background to come and run as 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 someone who's supposed to be a minority himself. I mean I don't feel sorry for any of them. You know what I hope Urban Meyer gets an extension with the Jags and then he tears them to pieces for the next five or ten years until they no longer are an NFL franchise. That's what I hope. Well, I'm I'm glad, AJ, that you said that you were not going to allow Urban Meyer to get your um, blood to rise this 
this this um this this good night. That was, that was short lived. <laughs> and and yeah, that's what... I, let, let, let me be fair to them. It was the only time they were shut out, but it's not the only time that their offense has looked terrible. Like they've they've had games where they've just produced one score and what that that's what it is. Okay. No no problem, sir. I'm glad that we gave you an opportunity to get that off your chest. So, Justin, over to you. This 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 situation in Jacksonville, this can't continue. As AJ correctly mentioned, right, I can't blame Urban Meyer because Urban Meyer didn't even hire himself. I'm looking squarely at you, Shad Khan. And I've done this <laughs> on this show before, but you know what? There is never a wrong time to have an Urban Meyer run, right? So, Shad Khan, <laughs> you are an owner. You are a man that like, 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 has ownership of an actual, not just a franchise, businesses. You look, and us here in the Caribbean, we sat down here and could see it from a mile away. Let's look at Urban Meyer, shall we? This is a man who has had, during his time coaching at Florida, 30 players, no less than 30 players charged. He knowingly recruited a gangbanger in the now deceased Aaron Hernandez. And people will say, but Justin, that's unfair. Maybe he didn't know. Yes, he knew. And you know how I know he knew? Every single team, every single NFL team, save for the New England Patriots, stayed away from Aaron Hernandez because he were, they were well aware of his background. This is a man that carried a first-round grade and was only taken up in the third round by the New England Patriots because everyone knew the baggage that was coming with Aaron Hernandez. Mm -hmm. Did that stop Urban Meyer from recruiting him? No, it did not, because he does not care. He lives in a world where there are no consequences for his actions. Let's move from Florida. And then he leaves from Florida in the worst position that he found it. Yes, he got them a what? I want to see a national title, got them back to national title game. And I think Tim Tebow won a Heisman in the process. Mm -hmm. Then left the program in shambles. Florida has not been great since. Not close to it. It's either health or family reasons. Then all of a sudden, quickly, he pops up in Justin Ohio State. Lamar. Goes to Ohio State, raises behavior where he hires friends, regardless of position or ability or whatever or not, and brings the authoritative, you know, culture where, again, he's not to be held accountable. One of his highly regarded assistants is then accused of domestic abuse. And then when questioned, Urban Meyer turned around and said he knows nothing of it. Although later on we come to find out that that assistant's wife was constantly messaging Urban Meyer's wife. And you're trying to tell me Urban Meyer had no idea of the situation. So then when he is suspended and the situation starts to boil over, guess what Urban Meyer does again? He feigns illness, goes to ESPN and says, oh, I'm sick, I can't be coaching. Blah, blah, blah. Probably never returning to coaching again. And then what happens? Shad Khan ignores all of that and hires a man and then is, sorry, then acts surprised when the circus comes to town. So let's see what, is, what, what the circus that really happened in Jacksonville. Before training camp even starts, his first hire <laughs> is of a strength and conditioning coach who is coming off of allegations of spewing racist remarks. That is a man that you hired 
on a team that is 80% black and you hired that guy. The man did not even make it past two weeks in the building before they had to move. They didn't even make it to training camp. Then to start training camp, what does he do, AJ? What does he do? He brings a field quarterback who has never played the tight end position to play the tight end position at the highest level of football. He's not played it at Wee. He didn't play at high school. He didn't play at college, but you brought Tim Tebow. Because according to both you and your wife, Tim Tebow is basically a son to you. Now you bring that guy to play the tight end position. Of course, he didn't make it through training camp. Then what happens? The losing starts. And as we all knew from his time in Florida, from his time in Ohio State, Urban Meyer cannot handle losing. Starts crying. Can. Then what's the situation? It was the game in Cincinnati, right? Mm-hmm. Or Cleveland. Yeah. Cleveland. Yeah. One of the Ohio teams. Mm-hmm. Loses. And instead of boarding the team playing like any normal coach, assistant, staff, any normal human being, before he gets on the team playing, he remains in Ohio at his bar. And then Eve, all right, you do that. You could not even be a normal person and sit down and have a normal drink. <laughs> you had to allow a young girl to grind in your lap and then answer the team. Caught with his hand in the cookie jar. Literally in the cookie jar. <laughs> and he had to turn on and answer Bye. that. And I figured, okay, no, Urban Meyer's going to keep his head down and the circus must come to an end. I mean, it had to come to an end, right? You bench one of your top 10 players in the organization to the point that your quarterback, not quarterback, a rookie quarterback, the youngest person in the building, had to come and tell you, you cannot bench this man. Marvin Jones, and I can speak to this because Marvin Jones has played so much of his career in my own division. From all reports, Marvin Jones is a stand-up person and a respected leader in the locker room. You pushed the man to the point where he had to curse you out. I've never heard Marvin Jones curse anybody in Detroit. <laughs> and there are a ton of people, bad coaches, from Jim Schwartz all the way back down that Marvin Jones probably should, of course, curse the, 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 the nuisance that they got from, from, from um, New England, if we want to talk about white privilege. What the hell is that boy's <laughs> name? With the pencil in his ear all the damn time. Oh, uh, Patricia. Patricia. Matt, Matt Patricia. Patricia. <laughs> well, if you didn't curse Matt Patricia, Jesus <laughs> if you didn't curse Matt Patricia, how you as Urban Meyer get Marvin Jones to curse? But it didn't stop there, did it? It didn't stop there. Nope. You turn around and cite coaches who have NFL resumes as losers. Mm-hmm. You have two wins in the NFL and you call them <laughs> losers. And then, on top of that, when you are questioned, before you acknowledge and admit that you are wrong, what's the first thing you said, AJ? If I hear or if I find out oh, yeah, who, who, it these, is that, yeah. who these leaks, who they are fired within seconds. So again, you have not taken accountability for your actions. But it's really Shad Khan. Because Shad Khan is shocked that the circus is in town. But guys, the circus must be in town. Because what else will happen if you put a clown in charge? The circus must come, right? Must. Where, 
where they're closed, there's a circus. This man, this man, and to, to, to just piggyback off of that again quickly, right? I, I, like, I, I really have to wonder what Shardhan is seeing at this point. I, we spoke last time about organizations realizing that they've made a, made a mistake and moving on quickly, a la Arizona. And look at what they're doing now, right? Now, obviously, this doesn't always work out, but still, there are some times when you just need to move on. There's no, there's absolutely no harm in letting Urban Meyer go his way right now. None. There's absolutely none. There are two things at play. Shaqan is embarrassed and does not want to admit that he made a mistake by giving him that money. And two, he does not want to pay him out that big money that you'll be owed to find him. So it's a, so a cast 22. And, and in the meantime, the biggest quarterback talent out of college, who's, who's supposed to be the biggest, the biggest thing since Andrew Luck coming out of college, is being wasted. Now, I, I still don't believe that, that Trevor Lawrence is as bad as, he's, as he has been this year. And he hasn't been terrible, but he hasn't been what anyone expected him to be. That is Urban Meyer. No one is telling me not. Nobody's telling me not. That is down to Urban Meyer. Anybody that looked bad in that Jaguar scene this year is Urban Meyer fault. Anybody. <laughs> Tell us how you really so, feel. So, <laughs> is it just... 31st, 31st ranked defense, um, offense, sorry, in, in the league. Only ahead of the Houston Texans, who, who, who uh, well, we, we already spoke about them. Uh, Men have a worse offense than, than the Detroit Lions, bro. So it's interesting, AJ, that you made the point about Trevor Lawrence. Though I asked the question if this this that this can't continue. It all depends on how long you are going to consider it to be continuing. <clears throat> so you may mention a Trevor Lawrence just now. Trevor Lawrence right now is giving us flashbacks of Jared Goff. Because remember Jared Goff, where Jared Goff first came into the league. Under Jeff Fisher. Jeff Fisher. He looked like a hot mess. But then he got Sean McVay. And he started to look like somebody's competent quarterback. Mm -hmm. But the team decided that he was not competent enough and just shipped him out. Right now, Trevor Lawrence needs his McVay. Because he's getting the Jeff Fisher treatment right here, right now. Now, when you talk about Shad Khan... I think about the Jaguars in general. The Jaguars have a history of losing as a franchise. I honestly do not know how they get fans to buy tickets and come to their games. It is well, I guess the, the best thing that happened for them was that the hurricane passed through and the Saints had to play a home game there because at least then they had some people to turn up. I'm pretty but, sure Lil Duval is who buying all these tickets himself. Uh, it has to be. Uh, he's the only Jacksonville Jaguars fan I ever see like supporting this team. The only one, Lil Duval himself. Now, of the seven coaches that the Jaguars have had, they only have one coach that has a winning record for the entire time that they've been in existence. The Jaguars started in 1995 with Tom Coughlin as head coach. His winning record is 68 and 60. So he's almost at 500. After him, next best, Jack Del Rio, 68 and 71. Jack Del Rio got fired during that 2011 season. Mel Tucker finished the season. He finished five games, two 
and three. Gus Bradley took over 14 and 48. Doug Maroon, 23 and 43. Keep coming, keep coming. And now we are at Urban Meyer, 2 and 11. Shad can't hold on to these bad coaches way too long. He, this is a badly run franchise from top it is. It to is. bottom. It is. It is a, a badly run franchise. Can you imagine an actual, like, like, you can look through the good, you can see which franchises. It's just not by accident which franchises are good ones. Could you see a good franchise not only hiring Urban Meyer, but keeping him around for this length, this this type of, I mean, this this longer season. I think understand the season's not done. But mm -hmm. from that incident in Ohio, I would let go of Urban Meyer. Correct. Agreed. And as Marcus, Marcus, I agree with you, Ken is the problem. Well, he's not the only problem, but he is the problem in Jacksonville. It's he yeah, he has to do better. And when he does better, then his coaches and his team can do better as well. So, fellas, we, 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 we trust and lashes. Well, y'all trust and lashes in Urban. I, I'd let y'all have y'all say on Urban he's because, he's yeah, he, every single one. He has to own what's happening there. Urban Meyer is trash. Agreed. To be left, that this man is not a stand-up human being. And... Whatever, however good he thinks he is in college, that's not going to translate NFL. Urban Meyer is trash. And for those who have hopped in now or are on the pro, I want people to understand I am not now saying this about Urban Meyer. <laughs> I have been forever seeing this about Urban Meyer. And I told my friends, just like AJ did, this was the worst hire possible for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Because you know, in the in the end, I, I, this just feels like it, like it's going to take the same route that all that happened with him in college. They, they're not going to fire him, but he's going to step aside, citing some sort of of, of health issues. Boy, look, I, when I tell you, I can't stand the best bone in Urban Meyer body. Trash. <laughs> well, the the interesting thing is that the the Jaguars, as we know, pivot to look ahead into the the um. Next week, into week 15, the Jaguars, they have the epitome of a rele relegation six-pointer. Two of the worst teams in the NFL are matching up this week with the Jaguars hosting the Texans. Yeah. I mean, the two, yeah. worst, the yes. two worst teams. So, AJ, as we look ahead to week 15, which, team, which games are you most excited about this week? Of course, I'm. Well, must make mention of the fact that we're at that point in time of the season where we now have Saturday games, and that'll be up until the final week when you know it's everything on on the one day. But, um, so yeah, my parts are playing on Saturday. I'm obviously very hype about that game. Things have been going our way, and this is one of the bigger games that we have remaining in the season between this and the other. Fixture against the Bills, which I think we will win again. I actually bet my boss at work. We have a bet on it. We have a bet on that. Yeah. <laughs> we have a bet on that. Huh? Wow. The man was willing to bet. He said that he, he bet that they're going to be me in the return game. I said, all right, cool. We can, we can do that. We'll do that. So that, that's, in, that's in a few weeks, though. But for this weekend, looking forward to see us play the Colts. 
Um, is 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 divisional weekend? Well, you have some good divisional matchups. Um, but even just Thursday night, Sun Thursday night, like I'm glad that this is a I'm getting off early this week because I need to see this Chiefs Chargers game. This is going to be really interesting. Um, so yeah, not because I don't want to run through the entire list. I don't want to take everything. So definitely Thursday, um, Chiefs at Chargers. I will, I need to see how my Pats do. Um, at the Colts who have been picking up steam coming towards the end of the season. And for us, this is a, a, in, um, a very important game because it, it is right there. Like, that, that top, top seed in the AFC is right there. So we need to win this. We, we, some might say not, but I think we need to win it. Um, and then, of course, there is uh, – what was the other game I had here? The Packers and Ravens. Sorry. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure Justin was going to mention that, but I have to say that that's – I don't know if it would be that good – on the field of play based on the personnel that may be available, but on paper, it makes for a heck of a game this weekend. What will you, Justin? Which games are catching your fancy for week 15? Well, the AJ said, I think he's been keeping and looking at my screen somehow. <laughs> but it starts, like, from as early as... I logged in. Like, mm-hmm. If the Chargers really want to tell people that they're ready for the playoffs, this is a game I don't want to... I hate to use the term must-have, but it's as close as a, a must-have you're going to have. Like, like you're battling in those last wildcard spots, and the AFC West is still up for grabs. If you're going to make some noisy playoffs, it's the game that you got to win. So that goes there. Like, I, yeah, you can still win the AFC West, and it starts with this game. Um, but as AJ mentioned, my game, obviously, with the Ravens, I will go even further and to say any game involving an AFC North opponent is a game to watch. I have no idea who the hell is going to win that division now. As you all know, I'm on record as saying True. the team True. I trusted the most, the Ravens. I'm done saying that. I don't trust anyone <laughs> in the AFC North, in the AFC West. I don't trust any team in the AFC not named the Patriots. No, I'm done. I do not. I trust none of them. So I would look at the AFC North because Anything could happen with the exception of the Steelers making the playoffs. But the other three, in my estimation, still are up for grabs to win that division title. And you could actually see a situation where three of the four make it into playoffs. So I don't know. They're saying that Lamar Jackson is going to play it. We don't know. Yeah. We don't know how effectively he's going to, or how effective he's going to look in that game. I will say that our defensive coordinator, Joe Barry, I could smell him about to do nonsense. I could smell it. <laughs> Simply because he is a guy that does not prepare for opponents. He is a stubborn individual mm. that likes to do things his way and then has to adjust as the game goes on. And I say that to say, I think the Miami game exposed how to play Lamar Jackson by blitzing him and speeding him up. That he has had no success against um, cover zero. Mm-hmm. So like all the blitzes have really been throwing Lamar Jackson off of his um, game, but the Packers probably blitz the least out of any team, and I bet you like mm. dollar, <laughs> I bet you AJ and Ken that Joe Barry is not going to blitz him once in that first half. He's going to realize the error in his ways and going to have to come back in the second half and realize yeah we're going to have to start blitzing Lamar Jackson. So, but to answer your question. Chiefs Chargers, any game involving an AFC North opponent. 
Okay, so I had a couple that I also selected. Um, incidentally, one does include an AFC North team. That is the Titans going to the Steelers. Um, the Titans, I've spoken about how they have not impressed at all recently. And then the Steelers, the Steelers are aiming to be the only team to have an even record in 17 games. Thanks to that tie. So... <laughs> This is a game that they could win, they could lose, but I expected the Steelers to end exactly at 500 at the end of the season. So that's one game that I'm going to definitely keep my eye on. The Rams, having just beaten the Cardinals, they are now going to be at home to the Seahawks coming in. It's a divisional game. It's always going to be good. So that is one that is going oh, to be... No, 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 no. I want to predict you. I used to think, <laughs> think so too, right? But if there is... You know, there's a, a saying we used to say on site, right? Mm-hmm. If there is a team that Los Angeles Rams beat on site, it is not the Seahawks team. <laughs> like, you just got mentioned Seahawks, right? And it's like, oh. Like, I, that is a beating, completing coming. Remember I told you that? Yeah, we definitely bear that in mind. No, the other one, the other games I also had mentioned. Um, you guys touched already on Packers and Ravens, so I don't need to go back through that. But it is the the battle in the bio. It is the Saints going over to Raymond James to play against the Buccaneers, and I will be honest, I do not expect that the Saints are going to win this game. That that is me being completely honest, because the Saints' offense has not been playing very good at all. And yes, Alvin Kamara is back, thank God, and playing as if he's never left. And I am very, very, that's my guy. So I'm very happy to see that he is back and he's healthy, he's playing well. However, I do not feel confident that we can put up enough points to play with the Buccaneers. The only way we can win this game is if this game is low scoring, as in this game, we will have to win this game like 10 7 or 14 to 10. And that's most likely not going to happen. We, this is the, the second of the annual um, matchup with Marshawn Lattimore and Mike Evans, oh, yeah. where oh, for yes, anybody. I have my Evans in my fantasy, and it's time to drop my Evans. <laughs> yeah. that, yep. you You're welcome. We, we haven't had the fantasy spot in a couple of weeks, but this is where I'm letting everybody know, if you have my Evans, now's a good time to sit him. Because he's not going to have a good game if Marshawn Lattimore is following him all over the field, as we normally do whenever we play against him. But... This could be a good game for Godwin. And AJ, you made mention of him last week, Brashad Perryman, who came back and took the game winning, sorry, the only pass thrown in his direction for the entire day, 58 yards to the host. Mm -hmm. As you said right now, that probably spells the end of Antonio Brown's stay in Tampa. I believe But. This is where the other wide receivers are probably going to be good. Gronk is probably going to have a pretty good game. I do not anticipate the game to be high scoring because our defense knows that they have to do it all to help our offense with Taysom Hill on the, quarter, on the center and he and that mallet finger. Honestly, like I said two weeks ago, I think we should punt the season 
But even <laughs> if we punt the season, let's punt the season after this week. Let's find a way. Let's see if we can find a way to disrupt the Buccaneers. But we know all the bye weeks are done, so we have every team playing from now to the end of the season. As you said, AJ, we have Saturday games, which we will be including in our pick'em. So for those of you who have been involved in our pick'em, start looking at those Saturday games in time to make your picks on Thursday. Fellas, that we've had, we've been here a while, but this being our first live show, this was a lot of fun. We had a lot of comments come in, and we had some new thoughts that oh, we've never... I tell him post, just simmer a bit. Just simmer a bit. <laughs> Don't bring what home. Don't bring what home. Well, we all post all we will do is that we will see. We will see. I, I am usually less gung-ho than you are, so we'll see how it goes. For those who have never been with us before, thank you for joining us for however long you've been here. For those of you who've been with us before, you've always heard me say that you can find us on YouTube. This will be uploaded to YouTube in time for tomorrow, as well as pretty much every audio platform, now including our podcast. Finally. (laughs) Yes. Finally got that um, worked out. I'm still working on one more spot, and as soon as I have it, you will definitely be updated. But of course, for those of you in the Caribbean who are using Digicel, the Google Loud platform, you can find us there. You can find us on Amazon Music or Amazon Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher is another one, and I'm pretty sure I'm forgetting another one, but you can find us pretty much everywhere, and we're trying to make sure that you can find us as easy as possible. It is always going to be at Green Beige or Green Beige. And Justin, tell the folks where they can find you as well. No, we, we like to hide, so we are not everywhere like y'all two guys, but... We're here on Instagram. That's at this just in. Um, the I is ready a one. Some person stole our name, but I won't say who. But anyway, yeah, so you can find us on Instagram <laughs> at this just in. And also, we primarily are on YouTube, or really only on YouTube. So that's where you find our long form con- content every Monday night. Um, oh, I don't do this. This, this is Marsha's job. But <laughs> let's try this. 6 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Eastern Caribbean time every Monday night on YouTube. You can find us here. That's hashtag this just in. Type that in and you'll find us on Instagram and on YouTube. All right. So, fellas, thank so, you. Um, let me give the yes. little plug in once again because of course. you're going to be joining us next week. I must have to plug in. Um, oh, boy, my boy, Logs. He's in one of our chats, Ken, you, as you would know. So Hercules himself mm-hmm. of the Collective Bargaining Pod and NBA podcast that these guys just started up. And they usually go live on Facebook on Tuesday and Thursdays at 9.30 Caribbean time. Yeah. What's the name of that? The co- Collective Bargaining Pod. It's oh, Collective Pod the guy, on, on. Yeah. The guy that was just there on. Okay, correct, awesome, correct. So yeah, logs from the Collective Pod is supposed to be joining us next week. So yeah, but check out their, their pod. Talking some good stuff. All, all the NBA aficionados. Collective part, if you're still there, please drop, you know, something in the chat so I can go and follow you right now. Of course. And, well, AJ, thank you for plugging that and reminding me that we also, as we're getting out of here, 
We have to send congratulations to Stephen Curry for no being the highest three-point scorer in NBA history. That is my guy as well. So, of course, guys, thank you very much for joining us. Justin, Before thank you, you for coming on with us as well. Before you hop up, Kendo, mm-hmm. I heard rumors that y'all, the Saints, are trained to say Zion Williamson, who is a mom of 330 pounds, because he must be trained to play no obstacle for you and not actually for, for the Guardian Pelicans. Well, I mean, he could play no obstacle. Right now, we don't need him to rush the passer. If he, we could probably use him though, maybe at right tackle, because that seems to be where he seems to want to go at this point. Well played, Justin. Well played. Indeed. All right, fellas. So thank you very much. As always, peoples. I am Ken. That is AJ, and that was Justin from this. Just in, we will see you next time.